You have your Bibles, I want you to open those to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. It's good to be with you this morning on a Mother's Day weekend, and hopefully you have celebrated that appropriately at your home. At the Poe home, we're celebrating that a little differently because my children's mother is out of town, and look, I... Dads, I know that we think we can do everything. We can't. This morning I have had more curveballs thrown at me than someone is supposed to have thrown at them. We get to church and one of my children, who will remain nameless, lets me know they've forgotten their underwear. And I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with that. Uh, we just turn around and go back to the house. So it's, it's been one of those uh, days even thus far. I get here at 6 o'clock in the morning most Sundays. Today I got here at 1027. Uh, and I was judged by our greet team and we're going to have a conversation about that later. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, we're picking up in verse 1 of that. We're going to read 11, 1 through 3, 12, and then 12, 1 and 2. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, of what is not seen, for the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that, were, that are not visible. I'm going to keep reading in Hebrews chapter 11. And as I read, I'm going to invite you to interact with the text some. Uh, when we get to the, a name that you are familiar with, just make a small mark on, a, on your worship guide so that we can access and know who is someone we're familiar with. And, and then there are going to be some names that we're not familiar with. Nevertheless, they are all people of faith. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he, approved, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith Enoch was taken away. So he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, he built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. But by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, and set out for a place that, was going to, that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself. When she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was well past age, since she is considered, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring. That's not a nice thing to say about a mother on Mother's Day. She's as good as dead. Came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of the sand along the seashore. These all died in faith 
although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents of the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return, but they now desire a better place, a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Verse 17, phase 2, if we're speaking in marvel, says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it has been said, Your seed will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, Figuratively speaking, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning these things. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, as he were nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they did not fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach in, for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt behind, not seeing not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible by faith. He instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and did not perish with those who disobeyed. What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised, since God provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. Therefore, since we, have all, we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. A great cloud. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising and scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God by faith. Hebrews 11.1, we see the definition of faith for us as we begin to walk through the text. So, for those of you who are not with us regularly, there are times where uh, as a pastor or whoever happens to be communicating, it's not always me, there are certain words that we have to define and give a little bit of backdrop and understanding to. This is not one of those days because the writer of the book of Hebrews has said, faith, by definition, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1, is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. That's the way that it reads in the English Standard Version. The word assurance is a word with dual meaning. One of those uh, meanings is uh, the idea of a subjective viewpoint. So this idea of faith, it's the assurance, it's the viewpoint of things hoped for. It is subjective in that it is something that we can obtain or we believe that we will attain, but we are, in a sense, this is our truth. This is our understanding. The word assurance also has an objective definition. The objective definition is this thing that is true, this thing that is real, this thing that is substantial, this thing that will hold me. So when we read this, according to one commentator, we as believers in the New Testament, people who are, are New Covenant Christians, we can understand it in both ways. God has given us a viewpoint of something that is emphatically true. By faith, we have this assurance we have a view of what we will be and a view of what we can do and a view of who we belong to. And that very thing is true for us. That thing is not going to waver for us. That thing is not going to leave us behind. We have the idea of a definition of faith. It's the assurance of things that are hoped for. What do we hope for? We hope for things that we don't have our hands on. We hope for things that we've not obtained yet. It's what your children are doing even on this Mother's Day, ladies, as they're thinking about what they're going to get for Christmas because they're not as much concerned about us as we would like for them to be. It's the assurance that dads have when really we don't get celebrated on Father's Day. We know that. It's the assurance, that it's the idea, it's the belief, it's the, it's the line of thought that says, there is something that I will take hold of that I do not have a hold of yet. Faith is that we have this viewpoint of what is true, though we've not gotten to take hold of it in full yet. So I read this list for you of all of these names of people who lived by faith. And as you read through this list of names, you see that they we're holding on for something better, the better that we as New Testament Christians who conveniently worship on Sunday mornings, those, this is something that we have attained. We have taken hold of. We have seen they were hoping for a Messiah. And this is what we find in the Old Testament. The belief that God would provide a deliverer for the people, they believed that, but they were going to believe that even though it was not something that was fully revealed to them yet. 
Think through those names, those names that we are familiar and unfamiliar with. Names of people that we read, names of people that you know stories of, names of people that you've learned about from your uh, vacation Bible school days where they would have Monday, we talk about David, Tuesday, we talk about Abraham, Wednesday, we talk about Moses, Thursday, we talk about Barak. You probably didn't have a Barak lesson, but, but it may have been there. It's the idea of looking to what God will do. This is the story, this lengthy recollection, as the book of Hebrews does, of the story of all that God will do. Why would God use this very strong language in Hebrews 11? Why would God say that there are people who are attempting to move forward and give a definition of what moving forward is? Because chapter 10 has this portion about those who would slink back, those who would fall back, those who would leave the truth that is in front of them for what they had that was tangible, for what they had that they could put their hands on, for the idea of a satisfactory religion that is void of relationship. So what he says to us in the New Testament as we get to Hebrews chapter 11 is as we look at this church of Hebrew people those who have slunk back, fallen back into Judaism they have their hands on something they have their ability to take hold of the sacrifices and be part of the system but they miss Jesus. And if they miss Jesus what God has promised for them in Jesus they've missed everything. How much of our faith is us missing Jesus? Because you can have things that you can get your grips on. But if Jesus is not what you're hoping for, then you don't have real Christian faith. We also see not only do we have a definition of faith, 2 and 3, I'll read those over us again. For by it, we see that we are depending on faith. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. This idea of what was hoped for yet was not seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It's the idea that we, the world is created ex nihilo, out of nothingness. That God put the world together from nothing, that he started with nothing and made a something. Everyone, whether they believe in creation or evolution, creation being that God created everything out of nothing, evolution or something else that they have uh, figured out because they've listened to enough podcasts or half read enough books, is looking for unseen answers to the same questions. So every person in this world wants answers to these questions. Regardless of a faith in Jesus, they have a faith in something. What are those questions? What are all of us hoping to have answered for us? How do we get here? How did life originate? What is my purpose for being here? What is wrong with people? What is wrong with their hearts? What are good morals? What happens when we die? These questions are for everyone. And everyone is answering them in different ways. 
What we have that is unseen in what God has given us in Jesus is our security. They have their security in something that is shifting and sinking. Tim Keller, a pastor, says to move from religion to secularism is not so much a loss of faith as a shift into a new set of new community of faith. One that draws the lines between orthodoxy and heresy in different places. No matter how well educated someone may be, they are placing their faith in something. We as believers in Jesus believe that He is who we have put our trust in. We're seeking answers to the same questions, but we're finding them in different places. It's much like the political system that we live in. We have all of these questions that we believe need to be answered. But when you begin to listen to the various parties talk, they're finding those answers in different places. We as believers in Jesus are finding our answer in Him. Those who are outside of faith in Jesus do not find their answer in Him. When you look through this text and begin to consider that faith is the assurance of what is hoped for, the conviction of things unseen, it means that we keep going even though everything that is taking place around us says that we should stop. We have this example of faith. We also have these declarations of faith. Those names that I had you work through. They're broken up really into three categories. I made a reference to the, to the Marvel movies a moment ago. Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3. We've kind of got that right here. When you begin to look at 11, 3 through 7, you have Phase 1 of what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. That is the people that you would find in Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11. Beginning in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 through verse 22, you have highlights of people that are found in Genesis 12 through chapter 50. In chapter, 20, in chapter 11 verses 23 through 31, you have this amalgamation that has been put together of everything that takes place between Exodus and Joshua. You have these various things that are happening there. So let's just consider a couple as we walk through this text about faith together this morning and the contrast that we find. You, the very first thing that we see, or one of the first names that we find, is the idea of Abel. If you are unfamiliar with the story of Cain and Abel, if it has not been told to you by people wearing furry costumes where one is a farmer and the other is a, a shepherd, you have... Abel, who believed that he should offer up a sacrifice to the Lord of his animals. And what we find when we consider Abel is that he is a picture of faith in that to his death, he loses his life because he believed that what God was meeting him in in the sacrifice of that animal was better. You see a contrast because the next name that's mentioned is Enoch. Enoch never lost his life at all. Enoch walked into glory. Whatever that means, however we understand, he did not cease to breathe. So the very first comparison that we see is one who would die and one who did not. Both of those, the idea of sacrifice and, and living forever, point us to what God has done for us in Jesus, in that he would offer up his life as a sacrifice and come resurrected so that we could have hope. That's where we place our faith. We put our trust there. We also see other names that are on the list. Abraham, chapter 17, 17 through 9, or chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, and his wife Sarah. They had one son. That one son mattered to them because they did not get him until later in life. And in the world that they happened to live in, where everything was tied to having children or not, 
Everything about your legacy, everything about what would take place from this point forward was all about you having this family. And the larger your family, the more workers you had. We have four children at my house. I hope they begin to work soon, like this afternoon, because she gets home tomorrow. The more workers you had, the more valid you were. Abraham and Sarah have this baby at the age of 90. As I say regularly, that is a TLC special waiting to happen. But God wanted him to give up that child. God said to him to offer up his son as a sacrifice. So Abraham by faith hiked up a mountain that he did not want to walk up. And he did so because he believed that God would raise his sacrificed son. He had not seen resurrection, but he trusted it. Foreshadowing what God would do for us in Jesus. What about Jacob and Joseph? Because those are helpful names in the Bible. Jacob, whose name would become Israel. Jacob, in verses 21 through 23, he had his family there. there. And Jacob leaves the original promised land. He goes to Egypt because they've run out of food. He is being supported by the Egyptian government as they are living as people who are experiencing a famine. He did not get to return to the promised land. But when this passage talks about him leaning on his staff, What's being said to us is, uh, it's a reference to what happens in Genesis, that he wanted to go back to where he came from. By faith, he believed that that would happen. Joseph, his son, had told him to take my bones back because God gave us this land and I trust that our God will keep his word. They did not see the land to which they would return, but they believed that God would get them there. The assurance of what is hoped for, but what is the evidence of what's not yet seen. They did not get to go back. What about Moses? If you're unfamiliar with Moses, he left Pharaoh's house, which was a big, big house with lots and lots of room and lots and lots of food with a big, big yard where they could play football. And they, when they left Pharaoh's house, when Moses lived there, it was as if he was a king. And he was told by God to lead the people of Israel to a place where they had never seen. You leave power, you leave security for nothing that you even know by faith. He left the proverbial bird in the hand. Moses. Rahab. Rahab will eventually be in the lineage of Jesus. But when we meet her in the book of Joshua that we walk through as a church... She is a prostitute living in the walls of Jericho. If you are unfamiliar with the story, the walls of Jericho would come tumbling down. And as we read, read through that, we see that they tumbled around everything except for Rahab and her family. She believed in a people that she was being made part of, though she had not met anyone except these two Jewish boys who showed up as spies. By faith, Joshua trusted God over and over and over. We see these examples of faith, 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 faith. But do you notice that when God presents these people in their faith, those faiths, their faith, it is never 
it never manifests in the way that our faith seemed to manifest at times. They were trusting in what was hoped for, yet was not seen. But this trust caused them to do something. What is your faith causing you to do? How is your faith causing you to live? Just some examples from names that we're familiar with. Noah built. Abraham left. Jacob blessed. Joseph instructed. Moses chose. Joshua fought. Faith is a synonym for action as well as this idea of our belief. Apart from action, there is no faith. We are an acting people. Here's an... When you look through this idea in, in the original language, something that I found pretty incredible, when you read in the original language, in, in the Hebrew language, faith is not a noun. It's a verb. To have faith is a verb. To believe is a verb. So we see these things coming together. God's people acting, them deciding, them declaring. Because they're directed... Verse 39 and 40, And all these, though commended through faith, did not receive what was promised. They did not get what they were hoping for. They did not find what they were looking for on this side. They hoped, but their hands were not filled. Why? Because God has provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This list of people, it's not limited to the people that are on it. God begins to include us, make us part of the list. People refer to this as the Hall of Faith. I think it's a terrible title for this list. And the reason being, honestly, when we talk about the Hall of Faith, we're using it, in a sense, to play off of the term the Hall of Fame. So if you're a sports fan in the room, and not all of us are sports fans, or you're a wrestling fan, they have a Hall of Fame, which is kind of weird. But when you're a sports fan, you have players that you love, that you believe will inevitably be placed in the Hall of Fame, right? So, I, as a fan of the Dallas Mavericks, really do believe that Dirk Nowitzki is going to go into the Hall of Fame. He's one of the top 20 basketball players of all time. Michael Jordan, Hall of Fame. Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame. List after name after name of athletes who will enter into this Hall of Fame. And their place in that hall is based on their achievements. But the faith that you see listed in Hebrews chapter 11, ultimately, though there are actions on their behalf, it's based on the achievement of something else. Of what God will do in Jesus. Of what God will fully reveal in Jesus. It's the idea that there's this list of what God will do in Jesus that is still adding people to it. It's different than uh, our text threads. I... 
Let's, let's have an honest moment. If you're in this room and you have a group of people that you have been texting with for over two to three years, could you raise your hand like this is your group, you guys share about everything, your views on politics, your views on, on eating, your views on sports, your views on... Every, anybody got those lists? How many of you name those lists so that you don't inadvertently text someone else? You should name those lists so that you don't inadvertently text someone else. One of my lists uh, is with a group of guys from Chattanooga. There are five of us. Uh, three of them are Tennessee fans. Uh, and, and they have cheered for the Vols for years. Two of them are not Tennessee fans. And we allow them in. In the same way that God integrated Rahab into the family. So when we decided to name the list, no one really got to vote on it. But one of the guys named the group Peyton is the goat. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term goat, that means the greatest of all time. But one of those non-Tennessee fans who's really working against his eternity, uh, he changed the name of the group to Peyton is a goat, which is not nice or, or kind. So someone else who may or not, may not be the pastor of this church renamed the group your mom is a goat. And when we... <laughs> Now, that list existed for three years. These five friends who text... That, that's five. That's ten. Uh, that's a diamond cutter, if you remember, from the WCW. So, you've got these names. There are, we have texted about the slur and over... We have had this lengthy conversation about everything. And out of the blue in December, we're having a conversation about the Tennessee Titans and how terrible they are. And while we're having this conversation, one of the friends decides to add a person to the list other than the five of us. They add a person to the list, not a person that we all know. This rando gets integrated into our list and it undoes our friendship. People begin to leave left and right. It was a very uncomfortable situation for a few moments. I'm the person who feels that I need to stay and make sure everything's okay. I even left. I was out. Because we had a limitation on what we were doing. There's such a beauty to this text. That God would say that who his people are, it is not limited to the names of these Jewish heroes. But right now, even now, at churches all across our country, in places where churches don't even gather formally, people are being added to this family of faith that God has given us in Jesus. God is adding people over and over and over. I'm so glad God's not like me. God adding people to the family of faith. Adding people to what he's doing. And as he adds, he gives direction. That's what we see 12, 1 and 2. A direction of faith. As a result of. That's how we always read the word therefore. As a result of, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and you can think through those names even now, the names that we've read and the names of people who have impacted your life. I can think of names of, of men and women who have poured energy and effort into me. My grandmother. I can think of a pastor friend in Chattanooga, Dr. Jim Price. Over and over, these people of faith and how they've influenced me. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. 
Let us lay aside every weight. This is giving us action in the same way that we see the people in Hebrews act. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Let it go. Just like Elsa taught us. And let us run with endurance. Some translations read, let us run with perseverance. The race that is set out for us. Those races all have the same destination. But the path there is different. Some of you came up in homes where your mom and dad were just, they were locked in and they loved Jesus. And your race included that. Some of us, we did not learn about the Lord or God or anything until later in life. Run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for you. Some of us had dealt with the death of loved ones as children. Run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. Some of us have struggled to have children run the race that is marked out for you. Some of us have children galore run the race that is marked out for you. Run the race by faith, trusting in God for who He is and what He has done because you have not fully seen Him, but you know Him. And He has assured him to you that He is for you. He's reminded you of that through these stories. Run the race that is marked out for you. Even in this room right now, I've got men and women living by nothing but faith alone. Faith that God is who He is and will do only what He can do. That I would trust that God is going to act by faith. The faith of single moms who believe that God loves them and cares for them and that He's for them. The faith of faith of men and women who are dealing with a, a, a family member, a loved one, a spouse, someone who is sick, run the race that's marked out before you by faith, trusting that God will accomplish what God seeks to accomplish. Let us lay aside everything that hinders because we've all got excuses. There's this crazy fine line between circumstance and excuse. Run the race that is marked out for you. Why? Because Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author. That's a book term. Um, this, oh, in ESV reads, the founder. I've started a book about 47,000 times. It has not been made complete. Jesus is the author. And that he started writing this. He is also the perfecter in that he has finished the book. Run that race because he has done everything that needs to be done. He is all that you need. He is all that you could hope for. So run the race. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now does he joy in the cross? No, because the cross was terrible. The cross was excruciating. The cross was painful. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. So what is that joy? That joy is that God, who is unneed, he is not needy, would be united with us. 
think, as I said last week, that we have this weird belief about God that he just tolerates us. If you, by grace through faith, have trusted in Jesus, you're not someone that he tolerates. You're someone that he loves deeply. You're the joy. You're part of it. He cares for you. He loves you. You matter to him. And if I say nothing else to you, then Jesus loves you. This I know. The Bible tells you so. And that's enough. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God. Remember, we're talking priest stuff though. We've been talking priest stuff for weeks. Some of you guys could be priests at this point. Why does it matter that Jesus sat down? Because priests don't. When you go through the sanctuary in Hebrews 10, there's no seat there. Because the priest is like the grandmother who gets meals ready and you go eat at her house. She never sits down. The priests run from place to place to place to place to place. Because there's never an opportunity for him to stop because the work is never finished. But Jesus has said, I'm sitting down because it is finished. I find joy in you because of who God is and how God loves you. So let's run like that. Let's live like that. Let's, let's do that. Because your faith is active if it's real. And some of us just need to figure out how it's acting. Let's bow our heads this morning. Jesus, you're good in ways that... You're good to us in ways that we take for granted. But this morning, Lord, I, I ask you, Lord, to remind the people in this room, in spite of their struggle that is happening for them right now, that they are not merely people that you put up with, but that you love. And remind us that you've added those of us who have trusted in you by grace through faith to this list. There's a reality that is provable, though we've not seen it. If you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith in Christ Jesus. I don't think it's a mistake that you're here. I actually think that God's probably been stirring in your heart for weeks. If you want to know what it means to trust Christ, I'm in the back corner of the room, my back right-hand corner, your left-hand side. I would love to pray with you, to pray over you. For those of you who are believers in this room and you're just saying, hey, I'm, I'm kind of tangled up. The sin's got me tangled up. I don't know what to do with it. A good first step for you may be, may be to spend some time in prayer this morning as the band sings over you. Possibly for you to ask a friend or even me to pray for you in, in the back. So that you can run the race. 
so you can run the race. Because Jesus finds joy in you. And that God would bring you together with Him. We ask, Lord Jesus, for you to move and stir our hearts even more as we begin to sing to you in Christ's name.